Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Thanks for having me. Not that you had any choice in the matter, but uh, I'm grateful to, to be here. So I want to give you just a quick update first. So uh, Element, it, first of all, it is a great privilege to, to get to be here today. Uh, we've been looking forward to, to getting to come back down here for uh, months, and it's just about a year ago that we left you. So we're excited to be uh, back here today. And uh, honestly, it was a just a giant privilege to uh, serve here for 12 years. We loved uh, serving here at Element Church, absolutely loved it, but uh, we could not deny a very clear calling from God to uh, relocate to Billings, Montana, to uh, restart a church that had closed, and uh, eventually we started a church called Connections Church. So as Jeff said, uh, the former church called Hope Church uh, was a sister church to Element in Billings, Montana, and unfortunately had to close its doors in October of 2019. And uh, by God's power and uh, through uh, part, several partnerships, actually, uh, one with Element Church, another partnership with another sister church down the road from us called Faith E Church in Billings, as well as our denomination, uh, we've been able to restart this uh, church called Connections Church in the former Hope Church facility. That happened on October 4th, 2020. So Connections Church is very similar to a church plant, but it's a little bit different. It's called a restart. And we're just about eight months into this uh, restart at this point. And God has done so much, so much over the past 12 months. I can't share everything, but I'll share just a few highlights for you here. The, the first thing, which is just still crazy to me, is that a new church has sprung to life in the middle of a global pandemic. So glory to God for that. Nobody... Yeah, praise God. Nobody expected that, and uh, we, we planned it long before the pandemic was a reality, and uh, God still d has done a, a great work. Uh, I think most importantly, and this is what you celebrate here more than anything, is that nine people have come to Christ since we started, so we praise God for that. Yes. So uh, you might want to know just a little bit about our church. So right now we have about 60 people is like our average church attendance, including kids and all of that. Uh, we think around 100 people. If everybody were there on a Sunday, probably around 100 people are a part of this new church, which is great. Uh, as far as age demographics go, we have a pretty even spread, actually, of age demographics of young adults and uh, young families, empty nesters and retirees. And that actually represents the community of Billings really well. So we're excited about that. It's been awesome. Uh, praise God, we have six active small groups right now with 44 unique adults involved in those groups. So we're, we're thankful for that. 41 unique adults are serving in the church. Praise God. Uh, uh, as far as the Connections Church people, Connections Church attendees are currently giving 72% of the current budgeted need, which is honestly mind-blowing that that is a uh, reality at this point. Uh, and just like Element Church, Connections Church is investing 10% of all giving into serving our local community. So we're grateful to do that. So I told you a year ago, I didn't tell you in person, but I told you on video. Uh, I told you that we are praying for a resurrection. Specifically, uh, we're praying that this church that is dead, that it would come back to life. And uh, that's happened. That's happened. So praise God. 
Praise God. So uh, you, you as a church, you sent my family. Uh, you probably don't realize it, but there's another family that as, as volunteers, uh, they felt called to leave this congregation, relocate, uh, get jobs and buy a house and have helped us uh, start that church as well. Uh, on top of that, you gave $125,000 to supplement the cost of starting a new church. Uh, starting new churches is expensive. I didn't know if you knew that, uh, but is it, it's expensive. Um, but because of you, uh, our new church has a realistic runway uh, to get this new church not only off the ground, it's, it's now off the ground, but to get it to a point where it is self-sustaining. So we praise God uh, for that. You, you probably don't know this, but it takes on average for an, a new church, it takes about two years usually for a new church to become self-sustainable. And uh, we're really not that far off from, from that uh, place. So we're excited about that. So I do have a sermon to, to get to here in a few moments, but let me, uh, let me just show share with you lastly that uh, we have a golden opportunity, golden opportunity. So we are, are located on the booming west end of Billings. We're on a busy intersection. Uh, we have a, a brand new middle school with 800 middle school students across the street that was just built a couple of years ago across from our property. There are a thousand homes located within a one mile radius of our property and uh, houses are just being built like crazy in that area. The west end of Billings is overwhelmingly middle and upper class. And here's what that means. Here's what I know about that demographic. What I know is that demographic has significant influence, significant influence. And so our dream, you could call it our vision, our dream is to make disciples who will leverage their influence to build God's kingdom instead of their own. And uh, so, so please pray for us with that. So four prayers that I just wanna ask for you to pray for Connections Church as you, you know, leave today. One, uh, pray that, that we would reach people that are hungry for Jesus. Two, uh, pray that we'd have more and more opportunities to serve and bless our local community. Three, pray that we would be self-sustaining in 2021 and pray that God would bring us the right people at the right time. He already has, and we're trusting that God will continue to, to do that. So before I jump into the message, I, I just wanted to say a quick prayer over you as Element Church. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for Element Church. Thank you. Lord, thank you for their uh, support for this new church. That's a big risk. So Father, I, I thank you that, that they took that risk. I thank you that, that this church uh, cares greatly about kingdom work inside this church, outside this church, in this community and beyond. So thank you for that, Lord. God, may you continue to richly bless this church. And Father, I pray that our minds would be blown by the number of churches and kingdom works that come out of this ministry. Lord, would you do that? And we pray that through your spirit, you would make that happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I should probably get to a sermon here because you came to church, you probably want to hear a sermon. So let me start off with just a simple question. How many of you over the past 15 months, let's say, give or take, have experienced some measure of fear, worry, or anxiety. Anybody happen? 
Happen to anybody? All right, probably not everybody, and that's okay. Uh, I'm grateful for those of you that, that haven't experienced that, but you probably have at some point in your life, if it hasn't been this last 15 months. If you haven't really yet in your life, uh, this isn't meant to be a downer, but you will at some point in your life experience fear, worry, and anxiety. You'll notice that my hand is up. I've experienced all three of those in the last 15 months, fear, worry, and anxiety. When we uh, committed to relocate to Billings, Montana to start this church, we had no idea that it was going to land right in the middle of a global pandemic. Had no idea. Be honest with you, had we known that, I'm not sure we would have committed to go to Billings to start a new church, but we were too late by the time the pandemic had started. It was like, well, there's no turning back now. It's either going to work or it's not. And so we're going, you know, that was just reality for us. But starting a church, selling a home in Cheyenne, buying a home in Billings, I mean, all of these things were so, so stressful. And many of you have been in similar circumstances I'm sure. Now, I, I'm here to tell you, like, all of those details have kind of worked themselves out. God provided in so many different ways, and all of those details are still working out. So we give glory to God for, for all of that. I would love to tell you that through that transition and, uh, you know, amid the uh, things that could be stressful, that I just had a strong, unwavering faith with no worry, but that would be a straight-up lie. Because I was worried, I was fearful, I was anxious through that whole season, yet I, I knew mentally that God's going to provide. But, you know, you, you couldn't just tell my heart that, right? And you've been there before as well. And we had a legitimate reason for worry, I'll give you that, but God, God provided. But here's what I know, church. Here's what I know. Fear, worry, and anxiety are realities of the human life, whether we like that or not. Fret and fear they're just part of the human experience, just part of it. But there is a better way. There is a better way. We don't have to fret and we do not have to fear. And the scripture we're looking at today shows us that better way. The main scripture is Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Psalms are in the Old Testament and the Psalms are a collection of songs, poems, and prayers written by seven different authors, get this, spanning a history of a thousand years. It's awesome. And in the Psalms, we find the full spectrum of human emotion and experience. You know, the New Testament quotes from the Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. In Psalm 23, it's probably the most well-known of all the 150 Psalms that we have. King David, is the author of Psalm 23. And David is known as a man after God's own heart. He's known as, as the guy that killed Goliath as a young man. He was king of Israel, one of the richest and most powerful men that we read about on the pages of Scripture. And in Psalm 23, David describes God as his shepherd, you see, David himself, when he was a young man, he was a shepherd. So he knew a thing or two about this, uh, uh, this image of being a shepherd. Some of the Psalms are known as messianic Psalms, which means a messianic Psalm just means that they speak prophetically of Jesus and eventually they were fulfilled in Jesus. If you go a chapter before to Psalm 22, Psalm 22 is a famous messianic Psalm. 
Psalm 22 is primarily a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus. In fact, Jesus quotes from Psalm 22 as he dies on the cross. But then we get to Psalm 23. And though Psalm 23 is not explicitly a messianic psalm, it does find ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. You could sort of think of Psalm 23 as a resurrection psalm of sorts. Though it doesn't explicitly describe the resurrection of Jesus the way Psalm 22 really explicitly describes the suffering of Jesus on the cross, Psalm uh, Psalm 23 does describe God as the faithful shepherd, the living shepherd who, get this, lives with people. In Psalm 23, David expresses his complete confidence in God, his faithful shepherd. But you see, today as Christians, we have the additional light of the New Testament. John, the apostle in the New Testament, says that Jesus was the good shepherd. The apostle Peter in the New Testament describes describes Jesus as the chief shepherd. And the writer of Hebrews describes Jesus as the great shepherd. Psalm 23 is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, who is the living shepherd. So here's a big question that we're going to answer. Why not fret or fear? Why not fret or fear? And Psalm 23 is a powerful answer for us. There's three things I'm going to share with you. The first is this. The faithful shepherd provides. The faithful shepherd provides. As we work through the message, we're going to look at one verse at a time. There's only six verses in Psalm 23. It'd be a great uh, chapter in the scripture for you to memorize. I'm sure it will sound familiar to you. Verse one of Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So let's stop here for just a moment. Let's remember who wrote Psalm 23. King David. King David, and David experienced life's highs as well as life's lows. He was king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, the champion over Goliath, but he's also the man that lost a child. He's the man that had another child try to kill him and take the throne away from him. He's the same man that also committed adultery and murder. You know, David was a powerful dude, but David was very human, just like us, very sinful, just like us. In short, David, gosh, he lacks nothing, but notice the why. He lacks nothing, not because he's rich and powerful, like we might think, but because he knew the Lord as his shepherd. So David cries out literally, Yahweh is my shepherd. I lack nothing, I lack nothing. So notice the who more than anything else. Notice the who. David is not led by selfish motives. He's not led by the world around him that was just as pagan as it is in our day. He's not led by other relationships around him either. He's led by the covenant-keeping, eternal God who created all things. David, catch this, had the right shepherd. Had the right shepherd. John chapter 10 in the New Testament. It's a fantastic passage to study alongside Psalm 23. We don't have the time to, to look into all those verses, but from John 10, we learn that Jesus is the good shepherd. 
But it's interesting, John 10 also highlights for us the fact that there are false shepherds. There are thieves who want to harm the sheep. Truthfully, everybody has a shepherd. Everybody here has a shepherd, but we don't all have the same shepherd. We do not all have the same shepherd. Jesus tells us that the false shepherds, they have come to harm you. They are thieves and they are robbers. They do not benefit you. They betray you. But Jesus is the good shepherd who dies for the sheep, dies for the sheep. Having the right shepherd makes all the difference. David has all he needs. Why? Because David knew the right shepherd. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. In verse one, David really makes a monster statement. All his needs are met in the Lord. Well, what exactly does he mean by that? Verses two through four really give us the answer. And the first answer we find is he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, a good shepherd would lead the sheep out of drought into green pastures. There's a couple ideas at play here. First, the sheep would eat in green pastures. They would eat in green pastures. He provides for their basic needs like food and shelter and so forth. And further, it's in the green pastures that the sheep would find rest. And then it says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Now granted, if you tend to lean toward laziness, and let's be honest, some of us do, you either work too hard or you're too lazy. Like we tend to struggle with one of those two things, right? So if you struggle with laziness, you should skip over this verse, okay? But if you struggle with working too hard and not resting as God has called you to, we should be encouraged and challenged by this passage. I mean, if you're, how many nappers in the room? You like to nap? You ought to claim this verse. This is your verse. Leads me beside quiet waters. Verse three, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. You see, when you rest God's way, the Lord will refresh your soul. Problem is we don't rest God's way most of the time. You know, we fill our lives with junk and we wonder why we're not rested. Not only does he refresh your soul, but he guides me along right paths. And the idea here is literally the word righteousness. The good shepherd, he knows that we are dumb sheep. Any dumb sheep in the room? I'm a dumb sheep. We're dumb sheep. We're prone to wandering off of God's good plan. So the Lord, like a good shepherd, he guides us back to his good, righteous path. And finally, he guides me in righteousness, not for my name's sake, but for his name's sake. You see, the good shepherd, he doesn't guide me because I deserve it, because I don't. He guides me because he is good. He is filled with unfailing love because his word says he lavishes unfailing love to a thousand generations. Having the right shepherd makes all the difference. Okay, let's get over here to the props. Starting with a clothes hanger. You probably wonder what these props have to do with Psalm 23. Hopefully you'll know by the end of the service. So here's a clothes hanger. 
just want to tell you a quick story along with this clothes hanger. Not this specific clothes hanger, but one just like it. So the first apartment that we lived in, well, I guess we only lived in one apartment here in Cheyenne, but uh, the first place that we lived here in Cheyenne was an apartment, really simple, basic two-bedroom apartment that was behind the, I guess now it's the old Cary Junior High. Simple apartment, and one day the sink in the bathroom clogged. And I, I didn't want to bother the landlord. I thought, this is an easy thing. I can fix the clogged sink. And so I came up with an idea. I've got a metal hanger in the closet. I'll get the hanger out. I'll kind of untwist it so that it's just one long piece of metal. And I can shove it down that drain. And I'll fix the clog in the sink. I thought it was a brilliant idea. My wife, Aubrey, did not think it was such a brilliant idea. She voiced her concern. I thought, no, it'll be fine. Uh, it'll work. I'm sure it's a good idea. So I proceeded to uh, try to unclog the sink with this hanger. So I was shoving it down the sink, trying to unclog that uh, sink and just working at it. And finally, I broke through. And the water that was in the sink drained out of the sink. And instantly I thought, yes, success. I am the world's greatest handyman. That's what I thought. And then my feet got wet. See, I had busted the pipes underneath the sink, the trap under there. I busted right through it as metal and all, you know, rusted out. I busted right through it. Stinky water's just going everywhere. Had to go to Lowe's that night, buy a new trap and figure out how to put it on. And finally was able to fix it. Here's my point. You don't want me fixing the plumbing in your house. And the greater point is this, the right plumber makes all the difference. The right plumber makes all the difference, and I am not the right plumber. Friends, in a similar way, the right shepherd makes all the difference. But truthfully, not everybody's following the right shepherd. And I'll say it this way. Not everybody in church is following the right shepherd. It's true. I mean, we got people in every church. They've been in church a long time, but they've never truly surrendered to the Lord Jesus as their Savior, the right shepherd, makes all the difference. So I'm not saying this is the reason for you, but I am saying it's entirely possible that your worry, anxiety, and fear is the result of following the wrong shepherd. Perhaps you're following your own opinions. Perhaps you're, you're following other relationships around you. Perhaps you're following the lead of the world around you and it's not working. These false shepherds, they may look attractive. They may promise lots of things, but they will not bless you. They will betray you. But Jesus, the faithful shepherd, he will provide. So first thing, let's make sure we're following the right shepherd. Second, the faithful shepherd is present. He's present. Look at verse four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23 recognizes all of the difficulty that we experience in life, culminating eventually in our physical death. But we don't need to fear when we experience difficulty. Now notice, nothing in Psalm 23 says you're not going to experience difficulty. In fact, I'd say it's more of a promise that you will experience difficulty. The, the scripture is true, guys. It's real. When you experience difficulty, 
the Lord will be with you. Like we don't have to fear because when we go through difficulty, the good shepherd is with us. In verses one through three, David famously cries out to God and he's, he's actually talking about God. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, but the language changes in verse four. Now he's speaking to God and he says, for you are with me. You're with me. You see, David, he knew God as his shepherd. Jesus told us in John 10 that false shepherds, they're going to run away when things get difficult. But the good shepherd, he sticks with his sheep even when the difficulty comes. And David also says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Two things. The shepherd's rod, it was like a club that was used as a weapon to protect the sheep. And then the the staff was like the, the shepherd's crook, and it was used to guide the sheep. You see, God's protection, as well as his guidance, it ought to comfort us as his people. Then verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. All along, the metaphor has been this shepherd-sheep metaphor. The metaphor changes here in verse five. The metaphor changes to a feast and the people of God are seated at God's table and God's gonna provide a feast. And so in verse five, what we see is, though the enemies surround me at times, the Lord provides a feast that our enemies cannot hinder. All they can do is look on from outside. They can't hinder it because God is protecting us and guiding us and providing for us our good shepherd's presence and his blessing is with us. Not long ago, come back over here to my props. Not long ago, uh, we took our kids to Red Lodge Mountain, that's not far from where we live, to go skiing. We have two kids. We have a 10-year-old and we have an eight-year-old. And our 10-year-old, he had been skiing a few times and he had a pretty good idea how to ski. So he picked it up quickly this third time. Our daughter, Maddie, she's eight and she had only been skiing one time. So she was still pretty nervous about skiing and figure that out. So it was going to take her longer. Well, we had a lesson for her, for her scheduled to be later that afternoon, but it wasn't going to happen until 2 p.m. that afternoon. So lucky me, uh, I had this golden opportunity to spend a few hours with my eight-year-old daughter on the bunny hill, teaching her how to ski. And it was, it was awesome. So, uh, after the marathon that it takes to get all your ski equipment on, especially with an eight-year-old, we made our way up the magic carpet and we got up to the top of the bunny hill. You know, it's just a small uh, bunny hill there, really mild, obviously. And once we got to the top, that is when the tears began to flow. And no, they were not my tears. They were hers. Although if you've ever taught your child how to ski, you might understand how you might want to cry inside as well. She was terrified, I terrified. And I realized quickly that my approach was going to have to change entirely. And so I was watching the ski instructors who knew what they were doing, you know, teach kids how to ski. And so I realized right away, 
I'm not going to be able to tell her how to ski. I'm going to have to show her, and I'm going to have to hold her as we go down the mountain together. So here's what we did. I kind of, I held my ski pole. I think this is Aubrey's ski pole, actually, but I held my ski pole like this. And she was between me and the ski pole, and she held on to that ski pole like a handle. And our skis were pointed down the mountain together, and we just skied down that hill together. And we did that for three hours. And, just a, and she was so terrified. And just a little bit at a time, she built just a little bit of courage, a little bit of confidence, and just built one little ski skill after another. And I did not think it was going to click. But finally, right before lunch, after three hours, something finally clicked. And she was able to follow me down that little bunny hill. And she turned on her own. She stopped on her own. And I could hear her behind me just start yelling, this is awesome! <laughs> and I got to tell you what, this was as much of a breakthrough for me as it was for Maddie. Because let's just say me teaching her how to ride a bike did not go nearly as well. My wife, Aubrey, had to save the day on, on the bike situation. But here's, here's why I tell that. As Maddie's father, my presence and my patience, though I did not feel patient, made all the difference. Made all the difference. And, and when she was crying as we were going down that little hill and as she would wreck and have to get back up, all, you know, all those things you'd expect in teaching somebody how to ski. When she was terrified, I just kept telling her over and over and over again, Maddie, I'm here. Maddie, I'm with you. I'm not gonna let you go down this mountain until you're ready to go down the mountain. Maddie, I am here. And I think perhaps more than anything else, Psalm 23 is a reminder to believers of all ages for, at this point, several thousand years to the people of God. I'm with you. I'm right here. You can't see it. No, you don't have the answer. You don't see the solution. You feel like you're going through hell. I'm here. I'm with you. I know it's difficult but I am here. Difficulty and death, they're just guarantees in this life. As much as we don't like it, but the good shepherd, he's with his sheep. His presence is with us. Sometimes the difficult path is exactly where he leads us, which is hard to swallow in itself. I get that. But we do not go there alone. We don't go there alone. He goes with us. So why not fret and why not fear the faithful shepherd provides and the faithful shepherd is present. Third thing I want to share with you is this. The faithful shepherd is persistent. It's persistent. Latter half of verse five says this. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So first we have this idea of abundant blessing. The good shepherd he provides an abundant feast and then he pours out blessing upon us that our cup cannot contain and so it overflows. 
It's worth noting here that David is most likely an old man as he writes Psalm 23, sort of reminiscing over all the blessings of God in his life. Verse six, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's two two points here I wanna point out. First is this word dwell, dwell. David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see the story of the Bible, both Old and New Testament is that God is with us. He's with us. Creation, Exodus, the law, the return from the exile, the incarnation of Jesus, the resurrection, Pentecost, even the return of Christ that we are still awaiting. We don't need to fear and we don't need to fret because God is with us and God's people, they will dwell with him both now and for eternity. Secondly, is that his goodness and mercy will chase us. They'll chase us. One Bible teacher I listened to Put it this way, his goodness and mercy is nipping at your heels, chasing after you. But here's the thing. You may feel that you have not done enough or been good enough to deserve his goodness nor his mercy, and I suppose you'd be correct, right? But then again, isn't that the whole definition of mercy and grace? The mercy and grace of God, it doesn't chase you because you deserve it. it. Chases you because the faithful shepherd is inherently good and inherently full of mercy. Now for my last props here. Uh, this last Christmas, I got two awesome gifts from my children. And the, the first gift I received was these slippers from my daughter. I've never had slippers in my whole life. And she got me these slippers I didn't know what I was missing. It is awesome. I wear them almost every day. And so I tell Maddie, this is one of the best gifts I've ever received. My son, Josiah, it might seem silly, but he got me this little cup holder. And uh, my water bottle, this one I use every day, it's too big to fit in my vehicle cup holder. So he got this little extender thing that fits in there. So my cup holder just fits in there like that. I use it every single day. And so I tell my kids often, I love these two gifts. Now, they're probably the two cheapest gifts I've ever received, but they're some of my favorite gifts because they're so practical. It helps that they come from these two little humans that I love. And maybe more than anything else, they're so thoughtful. These gifts are just so thoughtful. And church, I, for some reason, we don't want to accept this, but our God is immeasurably good. And he desires to give his children good gifts. He gives us countless gifts and he gives the best gifts. He gives us gifts we didn't know we needed. He gives us gifts we didn't even know we wanted. He gives us gifts that we thought were, you know, just pain and difficulty. Then we realized later that, whoa, no, that was a gift. That was a gift from God. Whoa, he gives us gifts. This good and merciful God, he's persistent. He's persistent. And, and as a follower of Jesus, his goodness and mercy, they're nipping at your heels. It's chasing after you. So why not fear 
And why not fret? Because the faithful shepherd, he provides. He's present. And he's persistent. He's persistent. Let's just take a a few minutes here to to bow our heads and reflect. I'm confident of a couple things. I'm, I'm confident that uh, I'm confident that there's, there's many here today that do know Jesus. But I'm also confident there's some here today that, that don't know Jesus. And, and first off, I just want to ask, you know, I'm wondering if there's, there's anybody here that would say, you know, I know I'm a Christian. I am following Jesus. But I'm struggling with fear, anxiety, or worry and I need rest and refreshment from Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up saying, I, I know that I'm a Christian, but I need, I need rest and refreshment. Thank you. I just want to pray Psalm 23, the truth of it over you for a moment here. Lord Jesus, Psalm 23 promises that we lack nothing in you. You make us lie down. You refresh our soul. You guide us in right paths. And you are with us in the darkness. So Lord, would you bring rest, refreshment, righteousness, comfort, and blessing to those here today, whether they're here in person or online. Would you bless them with the promises of Psalm 23 in Jesus' name? with heads still bowed, eyes closed. I just want to remind you that the blessings of Psalm 23 are specifically for those who know the Lord Jesus as their shepherd. And perhaps you realize that you're following a shepherd, but you're not following the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus. So if you're ready to make a decision to start following Jesus, you can pray along with me as I pray this prayer out. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I've been following a different shepherd, but I'm ready, Lord Jesus, to follow you. Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again. So Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. Save me and make me a new creation. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Two things I want to encourage you on. Tell somebody today. Before you leave this building, tell somebody. And secondly, uh, be great if you would tell the church that you made that decision as well. Church is not going to you know, hunt you down or hound you, but you can text the, the word E-LIFE to 94000, and you'll receive some information, some next steps. You can click the link and you'll receive a, a free download to a devotional and just some information about next steps like baptism. So we'd encourage you to do that as well. If you're watching this online and you prayed to receive Jesus, uh, you can uh, click the button that says, I commit my life to Jesus. Element, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, it's a blessing to be here with you. Let me just pray with you as we close out. Lord, uh, thank you for this church. It's been a a great blessing to me, to my family, to Connections Church. So Lord, bless this church. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. 
To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.